As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, I don't want to jinx anything, but it's, it's been like multiple days now with it, uh, without any wild Rams news. I don't know how you process that. What do you What do you do when there's when there's nothing to uh, to chase after for a couple of days? I know you don't rest. You must be doing like interviews for other stories and getting ready for the draft and every everything else, right? There's no There's never any rest days in in your household, is there? Mostly, I just feel useless. <laughs> <laughs> it's so quiet here. What do I do? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's not that there aren't things in the works. And I will say this, you know, the rumors are swirling and circulating. Um, I think that you can generally be sure that the Rams are not done navigating this uh, sort of free agency plus period. And I think you can be sure that they're certainly going to explore what's possible at uh, a variety of different positions. And I think defensively, they, they're certainly still looking at what their options are going to be and will continue to do so at Ed Rusher. Um, also at, uh, I think there's a couple ex- of exciting prospects in their defensive backfield. All of that depends, first of all, on money. A lot of it depends on comp pick timing. And uh, the formula sort of doesn't count against your roster anymore at a certain point after the draft sometime in May. So that that I think is when you're after the draft is when I think you're going to start to see things picking back up for these guys in terms of continuing to tweak and, and add or maybe even subtract with their roster. So it's that lull period right now. This is the time of year where this is very intensive meeting processes with scouts and um, executives and coaches and assistant coaches. This is when they are starting to establish what their board actually looks like. This is when they're starting to establish what they who they want to potentially target in their free agency class. That's something that the assistant coaches are very, very big on and invested in in terms of what their jobs are is going out and recruiting those guys um, and making sure that if they don't get picked up, they have a strong opportunity to come to the Rams. We know how important the free agency class is to the Rams. And yeah, at that's at the same time, you're trying to get situated and, and understand what 
the sort of philosophical shifts and and things that are happening, not just from the Rams, but and, and gathering info and interviews and things like that right now, but also league wide and and how all of that happens. So it's a quiet time externally. Like I'm not necessarily tweeting a lot, uh, right. which should be, I think, the goal for all of us. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that things aren't happening and that um, possibilities aren't being explored and discussed. And as always, guys, if I know things that are substantive and substantial, um, those are things that I try to get shared as quickly as possible. I've gotten a lot of questions about guys like Tyron Matthew, about guys like Stefan Gilmore. Um, mm-hmm. And when I allude to exploring what's possible, like absolutely, I believe that there are explorations of what's possible there. At the same time, you know, that's going to depend on a lot of different factors as certain markets cycle down. It's also going to depend on finances and that's on both sides. You know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you should never, if you're a fan of, of football in general, you should never want a player to be taking less money. But at the same time, the player himself, like we saw with Bobby Wagner, might be open to it if the conditions were right. The Rams have certainly done a lot over the last couple of years to create those those particular conditions. So this is kind of just you've just got to be patient. You know, there's going to be some big contracts happening, big extensions happening through the month of May. I would assume is is when that stuff kind of gets uh, rolled through here and and uh, spring workouts start and things ramp up very very quickly. So I would say enjoy the outdoor air. Maybe close the <laughs> close the laptop. I probably won't be doing that, but close the laptop. Maybe. Put the phone upside down um, and and breathe in some fresh air because things will get moving very quickly, very soon, once again, for this team. Yeah, it always does. And how much, Jordan, do you think? I mean, obviously, we, we found out the details of, of Bobby Wagner's contract, which you covered very well on, on Twitter. So uh, in case people uh, miss that, um, but it, we don't know what Aaron Donald's situation looks like in terms of his contract. We mentioned last week or a couple of weeks ago you know, maybe even a Cooper Cup rework, um, things like that factor into what we're talking about here. I mean, these, these, it really is like a puzzle. You, you can't uh, finish it until you put all the pieces together. And, and sometimes these things connect with each other. Is that part of what we're looking at here in, in terms of how that financial uh, landscape might look? Yes and no. Like, cause I think that they've got the structure basically outlined, especially for Aaron. Like, they, they have the structure of what it should look like basically ironed out. There's a lot of there's going to be a lot of moving parts with that deal and I reported uh to let's see date time just has no meaning anymore. <laughs> in a, in a previous piece at some point in April <laughs> I I read, <laughs> I wrote a piece about um what the to-do items were and this came out of league meetings as well. Tony Pastors told me that they were making great progress on Aaron Donald's contract. They did expect it to get done this spring and it's also something that they didn't expect would lead to a holdout. Now, when that gets aggregated via Twitter sites or blogs, then that maybe may, maybe makes it seem like it's it's happening imminently. Um, I think Tony, when Tony was framing that, um, and as it was presented in the article, when you talk about things happening soon, it's relative to the fact that his contract took 18 months to figure out last time. <laughs> yes, it did. This is not happening this time around, according to Tony Pastors, who has a high level yeah. of confidence that this thing does get done at a at a uh, expedited rate. And so I think, you know, you're just like, it's just patience. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. It just is like... Everything happens on its own time. It's not like cause for worry just because things are quiet for a couple of days. Like I fully expect Cooper Cup's deal to get done. I fully expect Aaron's deal 
to get done probably even sooner than Cooper's does. Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's just one of those things like you got the whole building focused on the draft right now as well. So, you know, everything does happen in its own time and at its own pace. And I think that that's something that a lot of people maybe don't understand on the outside is because they see sort of a 24 hour news cycle happening, um, you know, thanks to some of the media practices and landscape, the way the landscapes changed. Um, it's a 24 hour news cycle. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything happens on demand. Um, things do happen right. at their own pace. Right. Yeah. And, and not everything comes together. I, I tend to think in, in, in every case is different, but a lot of times, the, you know, the big things get taken care of first and then they kind of look at the details of it, especially a team like the Rams. that's always so creative with the way that they, uh, you know, put money in different places. It's, it's not yeah. often the big number. It's, it's not the, okay, your, your contract is going to be for X number million dollars. It's, it's more like, okay, how is that? Where are we going to put that money? What are we going to do with it? How's it going to look? I mean, I think that's often the case, right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's sometimes it's even simpler than that too. It's like Aaron Donald's in Pittsburgh with his family and the agent, right. them and the agency are working out the contract and okay, well, you're not going to sit there and force him to come in, you know, cross country flight, you know, just to sign the damn thing. Like you're going to do it probably, <laughs> it's probably going to be done even before it's announced and you're, and you're just kind of, okay. Yeah. So you're coming back into town for spring workouts cool. That's when we'll sign the contract. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. sometimes it's even as simple as that. Um, and that's, that's where I think that there's just, um, sometimes some, some confusion or, and I know there's like a sense of urgency, especially with social media factoring into the picture, but, um, at the same time, just human beings don't necessarily operate that way. And there's a lot of separate things, uh, that this group has to focus on all at the same time. And, and especially as it pertains to the draft coming up. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be telling Aaron Donald to do anything. In no, dude, I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah. you come in whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, how's your schedule <laughs> this, looking? This pile of money yeah. will be ready for you yeah. whenever you come in. Yeah, yeah. you come May, in whenever. June, yeah, yeah whatever, whatever and, works for you. We'll we'll be here. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think that's that that was kind of the key <laughs> thing that I took away from Tony from talking with Tony and Les and, and Kevin Demoff at league meetings was like, there's not that panic. There's a sense of security in that the process yeah. it, it will be what it is, and um, you know, it it's it's not something that I think is rushed. They're also also something that will be get get taken care of as extensions for for Les Snead and, and Sean McVay. And right. those will be aligned together probably before the start of training camp. Well then you could have people being like, well why do why don't you you know, lock Sean in his office and make him sign the damn thing now. Like, lock him up. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like that. Like it just doesn't work like that at all. Like all of these things just sort of happen when they happen. And it's, you know, our timeline is not necessarily the exact same, um, as the teams. And, and I think I would, I would, uh, I would exercise not caution, but like sort of, I would exercise calm right. to people because I, I do think they're, they're, these things will happen um, in a series of processes and steps. And, and certainly the structure, the structure helps like, but again, I think they already, I mean, I believe I, this is what I always say, Rich, I have an educated belief yes. um, that they they have all of the structure of what they're willing to do, how far they can go, how far they can stretch some of the parameters of these contracts. They already know that. So, and that you need to have that because then when you're talking with other people who are interested in maybe joining your team, you offer those parameters and you can explain why those are the parameters that you have. And then the, those people can make their decisions accordingly. And then you can you can also explain to them, hey, 
a crucial part of our team build is compensatory pick formula. We have four compensatory picks expected next year. We'd like to keep four compensatory picks expected next year. Maybe right. you maybe you should sign on May 4th or 15th or whatever day it is that I think it's like May 7th. Uh, I might I might need a fact check there, but like maybe yeah. you should maybe you should sign the hour after that becomes official and then in that way you, you can join the team. It's a win-win situation. Everybody's happy and we still get a con- you, you don't your presence doesn't affect our comp pick formula. So I, I think all of that it's just um you know the the league calendar it moves very very fast sometimes and then sometimes it just stretches on and on. Yeah, that's true. It is. It moves very quickly and very slowly at the, at the same time. And uh, yeah, I mean, here we are. Uh, it's uh, you know OTAs uh, actually for teams that have new head coaches have already started uh, with the, at least the off field uh, part portion of it. And then later this month, um, all the other teams, including the Rams, will be able to start their programs. Of course, we have the draft coming up in just a little over two weeks, uh, and then right into it, you know, the, the mandatory mini camp, and then you get a little bit a bit of a break, and then and then it's sort of training camp is right around the corner. But um, Jordan, segue nicely here, I, th- I think, because um, t- speaking about the offseason and speaking about the, how the Rams handle their business, which is different than the way a lot of teams um, do, you have a very, very comprehensive piece uh, published in The Athletic last Friday. If people haven't seen it yet over the weekend, go check it out right now or after this podcast. Listen to the rest of the podcast. Then <laughs> But it covers in really, really great detail um, kind of the process that the Rams go through, specifically kind of in, in reference to last offseason and putting this all together. Um, but you also sought out some some different voices. And Jordan, the, the way I want to get into it by way of asking you about it is, what do you think about the way that this Rams team build is perceived around the league? And I don't mean among Rams fans, because obviously they're very happy <laughs> that it ended in a Super Bowl. And I will say, and th- yeah. and God bless all of all of you Rams fans, because yes. I will also say, like, well-educated on this, too. Oh, yeah. Like, very complicated stuff. Yeah, that, it's uh, complicated. Yeah. It's interdependent. And I find myself, I like, I am not needing to explore. Like, really, we all, we all became, like, I, I, I obviously... Yeah you know, joined the beat two and a half, about two and a half years ago, two years ago. And gosh, has it been, been that? Two long? years. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty much two pretty years. Much yeah. two and a half. yeah. And, and, um, like I, so obviously like I'm learning it and, and expressing it and writing about it for the first time, but then you find like, there's not a learning curve, much of a learning curve that had to be hit there. Like fans already knew what was happening. It was just quantifying it and building that data pool. Like that's what fans wanted right. was to, to have, to have this explained in a in a holistic way. And it was very cool to, to see the feedback off of that because people already knew what it was. It's just putting words to it. Um, right. And so I think that that's something, not to interrupt you, Rich, but it's just mm-hmm. something that's been really refreshing is like when you see um, some of these bigger stories that, that I've written shared on Twitter, it's like, it's not me having to go explain to people in the comment section, like further explain or in the, tw- in the tweets or whatever it's Rams fans. Like Rams fans are like, yeah. no, 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 no. You, you missed this particular detail. This detail is important. This is how it works. And, and it's kind of like, it's very cool because it's a very educated fan base as it pertains to what specifically their team is doing. And I think that's unique because they are doing something um, that still to, to this point is unique as well. 
Yeah, and and by the way, I would I would give some credit to you also for for your willingness and your ability to bring people into that world too, and and also I would say the willingness of of people like Les and and Kevin and Tony and and you know people who, who probably will and should go nameless here who who give you uh, that <laughs> that kind of uh, you know insight that you're able to bring to people. A lot of front offices probably would not be that open uh, to doing it, and uh, there's not a lot of writers out there who have the ability that you have to to put. All those pieces together and tell those stories, and then on top of that, as you said, Jordan, uh, a very uh, a fan base that uh, is eager to absorb all of this and, and eager to learn and, and eager to you know be a part of it. So it's been real, a lot of fun over the last two years, and yeah, I, th- I think you started in like May of of twenty twenty. So we're uh, we're almost at the the two year mark, if I'm if my math is correct. That's uh, crazy, man. That's it crazy. Is. It yeah. is. <laughs> But it, as you talk to, you know, you, you've been through the combine recently, you've been through the, the league meetings. It, how do you how do you think this is kind of processed um, a, around the league? And we're going to get into some of the details of what, quote unquote, this is, because I think it's often a misconception, you know, exactly what the Rams are doing. But in general, the way that they've approached things over the last uh, couple of years, what did do you get any sense of that in general? Is it admiration? Is it jealousy? Is it is it bitterness? I mean, are there any words that come to mind or any uh, anything that you've accumulated that you think speaks to any of that? Yeah, I think I think it, it, it there's a greater understanding of what they do and have done, but I also think that it's it's very interesting how it's categorized depending on who you ask. Cuz I think if you for me and, and this I did spend a lot of time doing this um, at the combine and at league meetings is asking people what they thought and and their opinions of of the build and then you saw, you know, through right, basically right as the combine ends, like these insanely big swings are happening. And what was once sort of these market inefficiencies of pace for players, like that market has exploded now. And so now there's inefficiencies happening elsewhere, right? That teams need to explore and capitalize on. So I think that what was really interesting is how when you kind of look at the shift in tone of how the Rams were described for a while, it was that sort of tagline that drove me crazy, that drove, I think, a lot of people in the Rams front office crazy, which was that they were mortgaging their future. And you heard that right. since, like, what, 20, 2018? Yeah, start of the 2018 season. Yeah, yeah, you heard that since 2018, and it just really has not happened yet because they went to two Super Bowls in five years. That's the opposite of mortgaging their future. That's right. securing, that's the ultimate, that's the whole reason why these teams exist is to win the Super Bowl, right? So, and then to continue to push that model forward as they have. And so I think there's there's a to- there's been a tone shift. And, and now when you talk to GMs and you talk to executives across the league, there's kind of like, well, the Rams did it this way. Well, the Rams did this. And it's not like, okay, now we have to copy it. It's more like you you more so showed what was possible, I think, if you not not just by taking big swings, and that's so important is what I describe until I'm I'm blue in the face and it when I'm, you know, 15 feet underground, that's probably what I was what would be on my tombstone is like <laughs> this explanation of it's not just taking big swings. It's also fully understanding what then happens as a ripple effect to your ecosystem and how you need to then interdepend and intertwine all of those phases to be mutually 
sustainable. And, and it's it's a biological term called mutualism, where both parties are happy essentially because both parties are existing off one of another one each other and uh, thriving, and one can't exist without the other. Now it's different from symbiotic or parasitic because everyone's happy, right? Because everything's right. working. And I think that that this is is really, really interesting because that's how you have to think about this is every piece connects to something else, especially when you've taken away some of the cushion of being able to just add new new players via first round picks. You've taken away that cushion. You've strained your financial model. You've strained your draft model. Um, but, but on the converse, you've brought in difference makers in players. And so I think that's something that when you see these teams making big moves, it's less about you know, you saw if you ask pundits, for example, and you saw this, you even you even saw this like in in surprising places um, this last year or this last spring, last last couple of weeks, is like, oh, people are are following the Rams' blueprint. Well, I I actually disagree with that take. I don't think that you can first of all because I I think it's almost like you know those spy movies where you're trying to match fingerprints of other people. It's every team build is a team's unique fingerprint and you can't exactly replicate it because people are different. Healthcare services and systems are different. The ways that people work together, the ways that people coach, the structure of all of these phases and various things, the location, all of these things are so unique per team that it's less about following what another team did. And I don't necessarily think these teams are just following what another team did. I think what the Ram showed is what it means and what it can mean to fully understand how each phase, both the non-sentient and the living and breathing human beings, how they all exist and work together and how each phase works together cohesively and, and structurally and, and in a way that is completely dependent on one another um, for its own existence. And that's what we talk about when I wrote at, at the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl about their culture becoming a living breathing thing like it sort of did it it right. it it had this life to it because of that understanding and i think that specifically that's very hard to replicate and very hard to capture but each team no can do it if they know what they are and they know what they aren't and i really enjoyed my conversation with brandon bean especially because no the bills don't build the same way the rams do at all in fact, they're very, very different team builds. They did it in a different way. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I was connected with a lot of the Bills' early phases of their team because of who I covered in Carolina. And a lot of them were from Carolina. And so I tracked them very closely and studied them. And it was really interesting to juxtapose some of what they did to become perennial contenders to what the Rams have done to become perennial contenders, even as simple as offensive coach, defensive coach, um, and, and the way right. that the, the contracts and the money is allocated. But Brandon Bean says the same, the same exact thing. And I think there's this theme among people who have it and people who don't have it and people who are on the side of perhaps becoming extremely competitive over the next few years or staying competitive and people who may fall on the other side of the chasm is a healthy understanding and a, an a instinctual and holistic understanding of what you are and what you are not combined with the willingness to be agile in a way that fills what you are not and sort of um, can cover some of those things up by the moves that you make. And I think you really saw that um, with the moves Brandon Bean make. You certainly uh, made, you, you certainly see that constantly with the Rams and it took everything they had. And that's what it takes to win a Super Bowl. Like it takes everything plus a bit of luck mm -hmm. <laughs> to win a Super Bowl. So for teams, it's about 
controlling and maximizing the leverages you have and can bring in that still fit within the limits of your ecosystem and how far you can push that. And I think that is what the Rams showed, not necessarily, you know, a blueprint that everyone wants to follow, but I think that those big swing moves are characteristics of you need to find, you need to break through. You need to find ways to find those leverages that break you through 1%, 2%, 5% better because seven months from now, eight months from now, when teams are making their runs all over again, like that's that's all that's going to matter is those small percentage points that you picked up in the offseason and through the fall. We just spent time talking about how you know educated you know Rams fans are in this, and that's I'm sure in part because they they live it every day, they follow this team every day. But some of the the national discussion I think tends to veer off in the wrong direction when you start hearing the word blueprint, because blueprint to me suggests that there's kind of a a, a series of bullet points that you can follow that that will lead you to the same place that the Rams are, and I don't think that's true at all. In my mind, I almost see it as as more of an ethos than it is a, a blueprint, um, and and certainly your your ethos can lead you to make certain decisions that that uh, you know maybe teams could emulate or whatever but it's it's it starts with the idea level rather than here's our 10 step process that's going to lead us to a super bowl championship that now you know other teams can can duplicate i don't think that's the case at all and i think you know any attempt to reduce it to that is is not helpful <laughs> it's really not um, and and the one thing that that strikes me jordan you used the word a couple minutes ago inefficiency and and i remember the because I'm I'm old, first of all. Um, but but I you know I I was covering baseball. I was covering the Dodgers in uh, that uh, 2003 2004 when when Moneyball came out, and and a similar thing happened there. I think to where people who read Moneyball or maybe more to the point, people who didn't read Moneyball kind of looked at it and said, oh, this is about walks. Like this is about the Oakland A's and how they how they value base on balls and that's their whole no 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 like that that was such a small part of it what was the the point of it was inefficiency the the point of it was billy bean and and the oakland athletics looking at inefficiencies in the market whether it, yeah. it was certain players or the way that they've evaluated players how they built their roster uh, and i'm not saying that's a, a, a straight line comparison to what the rams are doing now but it wasn't moneyball was not about here's your five point plan to building World Series championship. It was about a mindset and an ethos that they that they had in in team building, and I, and I think there are some general uh, parallels there when when you talk about the way that the Rams are, are doing things. and And Jordan, we 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 know this, so we're not. I'm not breaking new ground here, but but I think maybe we can spin off by saying, in the Rams' case, one of those inefficiencies is the way that they handle draft picks. And and val the the valuation that they put on maybe in particular on first round picks and are those picks overvalued in general by by most teams um, and is that an opportunity to not have those picks often uh, to use those resources to get you other resources that will help your team while retaining some other resources in the draft that that will help you am I. Am I on the right track there in terms of that's that's an inefficiency that that the Rams look at, um, and you know specifically this time of year with the draft that that's that could be one example, right? Yeah, absolutely. Historically, yes, absolutely, it's been the case for them specifically. Now, I would also say that because you're seeing these moves, there's always a ripple effect. This is also what I tried to explore in this in the piece was it's not 
now, because more teams are making these bigger swings and the ripple effects to their own team build and their own ecosystem will then happen and they have to find efficiencies elsewhere, or excuse me, they have to find inefficiencies elsewhere to capitalize on um, because they've made these big swings. Similarly to the Rams, and this is where I think that's when you see the things uh, sort of become not identical, but become similar, um, is that now they have to figure out what their ethos then becomes. And it was very well said. I think everything you said just now is extremely well said, Rich, because it's, it's, you know, not only is it correct, but it also does sum it up very well in that it's, you're not, you're not, you know, how I stopped worrying and learned how to win a Super Bowl. Like it's not a manual (laughs) you're going to pick up in the self-help section at Barnes and Noble. Like it's not, that's not what this is. Um, but, but yeah, that for a long time, and, and one of the, the things that happens now, because a market of inefficiencies is now becoming more efficient, meaning there's, there, there are, uh, more teams who are doing picks for players trades, which right. means that more players are sort of flooding the, the quote unquote trade market, which also, and also there's a, a, a lot of player, a lot more player empowerment happening where players are now deciding where they can go and, and the rise of the no trade clauses are happening. Um, and players who are, uh, you know, maybe due for new contract, they're deciding where they can go and, and they're asking for trades more, more frequently than we've seen. So all of those things mean that that market, which had been an inefficiency to exploit by a uh, a team willing to do so and believing that their ecosystem could handle such risk, such as the Rams, right. um, now that space is becoming more efficient. Um, right. Of course, the irony in all of this is that I did horribly in economics in college, uh, <laughs> had a very nice professor who uh, was more patient with me than he should have been. But that also means that you you have to find something else to do now. So where these picks right. had less value, um, you can see their devaluation with the stack of these trades that are being made. You know, the Matthew Stafford trade looks like it was nothing compared to what the Russell Wilson trade was, you know, uh, the Deshaun right. Watson trade. Like, it, it looks like just just peanuts, like grocery store, <laughs> like packing peanuts. Like, it just, it looks like, it, it looks like nothing compared to, and that's, that's what sort of that, happens when that market floods is now it costs more of these types of picks to pay like quote unquote pay or to acquire um these these quarterbacks that's what you're also seeing in the wide receiver market now instead of just getting a wide receiver picks for players you also have to extend the guy you mm-hmm. know these are these are this is the way that that market is changing and so the rams i think um they were early or they were a part of as less need calls it like sort of that first wave of of people who are out in front uh, of this market, but now they're going to have to find something different, and and that's right. the thing. It's it's more about what how you think about inefficiencies and agility. And with the draft picks thing, it, it's very very interesting because you know I I encourage everyone. So I really I really love the what the thirty third team does um, in terms of some of these deeper studies about this type of thing that they put out there and they put out this really great study. Now you knew, and like I, I knew, and I've been sort of saying this for years at this point that, you know, there is a clear drop off in the way the Rams value first round picks. If they're winning perennially, they don't value those first round picks at a certain point in that draft order 
at the same level as they value them as trade capital. And and that's clear from the way that they've made their moves. But in terms of statistically, like the 33rd team, they did a, a, a first round pick value using guaranteed money and, and performance over value um, of first round picks from it was 2010 to 2017. So obviously they're excluding all players who are still on their first round contracts. And here's what they found. They found that only one in three, so 33%, of first round picks were signed by the same team to a second contract. So wow. being signed to a second contract means that your your team is like hit on the pick essentially. Now again, right. you know, it, it, this is specifically first round picks. If you retain your first round pick, it means that maybe your your team believes that you have hit on the pick and you believe them to be a long-term part of your build because that's why you draft first round pick players is to quote unquote build your roster as as right. conventional and historical thinking would say. Okay. So the guaranteed money given to those players actually doubles that of those in the second round. So yes, we love and believe in paying for players, paying players on as much money as they should deserve uh, on this podcast. We are firm believers in that. Um, I know you are rich. I certainly am. I I want a player to maximize his paycheck in any way he possibly can for his entire career, considering what they put their bodies through. But if you're looking at it specifically, um, from a financial standpoint and structurally from a financial standpoint specifically and solely from the team's perspective, that is not great um, because that means you're giving more guaranteed money than the player is, quote unquote, his value valuation of what his output is. Um, and so especially, um, you know, between the first and second round, that's quite a drop off. And so then then th- this study found that third fifth and sixth round picks specifically were the highest, uh, the, the highest picks who, ex- or excuse me, they were the picks that most exceeded that pay value, um, right. whether they were extended with the drafting team or they were signed elsewhere to a second contract. And first round picks generally, even if they were successful first round picks, um, even if they were in that 33% that did stick to the, to their team, um, generally found that they, they, uh, underperformed relative to the money guaranteed to them on that first contract. So again, good good for the player for that to maximize any sort of earnings possible. But from a specific team building and financial structure perspective, um, that is an inefficiency for a team. So you're sort of right. s- like starting to peel back the curtain on maybe why the Rams do what they do and why they value sp- and, and you can quantify it better why they value those first round picks and sometimes the second round picks too as trade capital versus bringing in a pick itself relative to their financial valuation. Right. Because, and especially in a, in a salary capped league, which pretty much they all are now, except for baseball, I guess it like that's why this is so important because you only have a finite number of resources in this case, dollar bills. And so what you need to do is figure out, well, what's the most efficient way that I can spend those dollar bills? And uh, increasingly what the Rams and other teams have seen is that first round picks are not the most efficient way to do that. Uh, The efficient way to do it is to trade those picks and spend that money on a Jalen Ramsey, somebody, a more established player who you know you're going to fit into your lineup immediately and who's going to be there for five, six, seven, whatever it may be years. Um, That's efficient. Uh, Hitting on a fourth, fifth round pick, very efficient if you you can do that and have that person in your lineup for for a number of years. So that's really what it is. It's, It's certainly there's there's 
there's interesting parts to this, but but really, it's it's you know you mentioned economics, but I mean that that's really what it comes down to. It's 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 spending your money, spending your resources as efficiently as you can, and trying to do that better than your other thirty one competitors uh, because they're all trying to do the same thing and trying to find uh, uh, new tricks. And and Jordan, the thing I would add there is you mentioned. Um, or excuse me, you quoted at the bottom of, of this story that we're referencing. Again, it's published last Friday. Um, you know, Kevin Nemoff quote about uh, something I, I think is very important too is, and again, speaks to this idea of a blueprint. You can't have a blueprint because what happens if is you, if you think you just have a formula, if you just think you have, here's our five-point plan that's going to get us to the Super Bowl. Okay, that may or may not get you to the Super Bowl, but it it's not going to be sustainable because things change too quick. Uh, these inefficiencies can change. Something that may be inefficient one season, three years from now, may not be anymore. Right. Uh, because you have to keep on top of these trends. You have to be ahead of these trends if you're one of the best teams uh, to say, oh, okay, here's, you know, everybody's everybody's zigging in that direction. We're going to zag in this direction. And then when everybody starts chasing after you, then you start going in another direction to, to find the efficiency. And that's really hard. I mean, that that's why this, this all this takes so much time and, and such a, uh, such a difficult thing to do. But that just speaks to that is an ethos. That's not a plan. That's not something you can put down on paper and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's the moves that we're going to make. It's an attitude that you have to have. It's it's a mindset to be aggressive, to be nimble, uh, to to make changes, to go in a different direction, uh, you know, to, to trade Jared Goff right after you signed him to his contract because you realize, uh-oh, you know what? That's not efficient anymore. We got to go in a different direction. Uh, those are the kind of things that, that you have to do. You wouldn't plan that out. You certainly wouldn't plan that out the way that the Rams did it, uh, but but you have to be nimble about that and and you know see where it takes you and and you're not always going to succeed. You're not always going to. They're not always going to be hits. You're not always going to read the market correctly. But uh, if you can do it more often than not, and that's what the Rams have done, then uh, you know that's 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 the formula. It's not really a formula, but that it's the attitude that you have to have. Yeah, and. A couple of notes too that, and it's again, very well said, Rich. And I think one thing that comes to mind as we're dissecting all of this and as I'm writing this piece is it becomes even funnier when Les Snead will go on tangents in interviews about like (laughs) getting bucked off a horse or something (laughs) like, and the horse's name is Victor. And we had a conversation about the horse and it's like, okay, but like, this is also in this dude's brain. <laughs> like, yes. this is, this is what it, beca- <laughs> this is why it becomes so funny to me. Um, because it's just, fa- it's just the, the human mind is a, uh, a chaotic and interesting place. But I think, um, one thing too, I didn't necessarily know if it was appropriate to put in the story because it was sort of an in passing moment. Right. Um, but as I was interviewing Tony Pasteur's, um, Howie Roseman walked by. Howie Roseman is in this story, and he there's an example in this story of how the Eagles are clearly working to find the next inefficiency um, using mm. their draft picks. And that that big trade that they made, you know, um, our wonderful Eagles writers Zach Berman and Bo Wolf, um, they wrote a piece about how it, it seems very clear that they the Eagles are positioning themselves to um, 
have their current quarterback, Jalen Hurts, in a pr- sort of a prove-it year. Um, and, and if he works out for the long term, great. They have a ton of extra picks to continue to build a roster around him. And if he doesn't work out, they've positioned themselves now to capitalize, not just if they need to go get a franchise quarterback with an early pick or with a, a bunch of picks, because now they know what the new market is because of what Matthew Stafford and the Rams and Russell Wilson and the Broncos and I guess even you know Watson and, and the Browns, but that's a, a I think a bit of a unique uh, um, right. circumstance uh, that we're not going to dive into at the moment. But I right. think like in terms of of Wilson and Stafford specifically, you're seeing what um, what it costs and and what it not just what it costs maybe maybe what it costs then and in, in, as it pertains to Stafford, but what it will cost as, as the market sort of for, for these proven veteran quarterbacks who are of a certain status. It's not just, you're not just, you know, you're not seeing this like for Matt Ryan, no offense to Matt Ryan, right. who I think has found a great fit in Indianapolis, by the way, but for quarterbacks of a certain tier, a certain level or a certain perceived level um, by that team, that's what you're seeing these moves, certain receivers of a perceived level. Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, and Von Miller, uh, this study also found by the 33rd team that in the rare case that a player in a first round um, not on- only uh, performed, uh, outweighed perform, his performance outweighed uh, sort of the, the first and second contract value. Um, and so per- performed uh, highly relative to that sort of metric that they were studying. Um, three of the few players who have done that are Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, and Von Miller. Mm. And so you're picking specific guys, right? It's not just, you're not just saying, okay, you know, veteran X is on the market now. Let's go get him. Here's a shitload of picks. Like it's not, right. it's, uh, that's not what it is. It also is the assessment of, of what you can do and how you can, how you can move. And, and George Payton was telling me this, um, you know, this is not something that they just decide they walked into a saloon one day and shot from the hip. Like this is something, <laughs> if it wasn't going to be Russell Wilson, I think you knew, you know, what other maybe tier of quarterback that they were interested in pursuing. And I think people forget like similar to the Rams who did their homework on perhaps the, the very few quarterbacks of, of that tier who would be available. Um, and Matthew Stafford being available was like a dream come true for them. But at the same time, you know, the Broncos are, are, are putting this in place and, and moving their books around and, and moving their picks around for like months and months before they make this move. Um, and you're seeing this now. And I, I talk about Howie Roseman because you're seeing this now. He's now doing this because that's what it requires and that's what it costs. But he's also doing it in a way that sort of leverages these picks where if he if Jalen Hurts does work out for them long term, then they have all of these picks where now it's become more uh, uh, maybe positive for them to have because there's less competition in the first round for other teams to use those picks. So there's less teams picking in the first round than there have been since 1980. Wow. And and so now when you have a lot of picks and you have a quarterback, so they're deciding whether they have a quarterback or not. Let's say in a best case scenario, they have a shitload of picks and they have a quarterback. Now they become the 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 highest efficiency. Now they are right, exploiting right. the inefficiencies because they're picking multiple times without a lot of competition around them for the same prospects, right? And they have a quarterback. So that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is still not a bad one for them because you you know and you see um, what it costs and and what that will cost to go get the position that will then secure the rest of uh, of their roster around them. And it was really interesting because, you know, I really wanted to put it in the story, but I didn't because I just didn't know if it was appropriate or not. Like, 
you know, I, I'm I'm interviewing Tony Pastors and um, Howie Roseman walks by. So this we're at the Breakers, and Tony Pastors is basically sitting on this like sort of overhang, and it's right by the beach outside the Breakers, and like you know, aviator sunglasses, and it's windy, and the the water is like way bluer than it is in other places. And I think there's something that has to do with like an insane amount of money that's over there. Yeah. And it just was like this most picturesque setting. And Howie Roseman walks by and he says something along the lines of like, what a scene, what a scene, uh, enjoying that Super Bowl, that Super Bowl afterglow. Um, <laughs> and Tony, he and Tony know each other. And so they kind of laughed, laughed about it and everything. And as Howie's walking by, he, he says, um, it doesn't last. I can tell you that. Oh. And and it just it just tells you everything you need to know about right, right, right. how fiercely this competition happens, but also how quickly things change and how important it is to maximize those leverages when you can, because you saw that with the Eagles. The Eagles went off a cliff. Right. And I don't think the Rams will do that. But at the same time, you saw what it what it means and what what it requires to be agile enough to stay in contention. And I think right. that's why all of these little examples sort of illustrated in the story are important because everything connects together in some way because it's a cap constricted league and everything right. is dragged down toward parity. So these leverages and these moments and these decisions become so important. Yeah. And I know we've talked about it before and I don't want to get into my, my past or another sport, but you know, getting to the top of the mountain is an entirely different challenge than staying on top of the mountain. And and that is, I think, everybody who's ever worked in a personnel department in a, in a pro sports league understands that. Um, the, the decisions that you make are, are different. Uh, the challenges that you face are different and, and you can't approach it the same way. And, and the Rams, you know, it changed for them after 2018 into 2019 and 2020. It changed again this past offseason. I'm sure it'll change again at some point soon if it, if it hasn't already. It just you know what what do we need to do it's it's different when you're when you're building it's much different in 2017 for the rams uh, than it is right now and and that's why again not to not to hammer the same point over and over again jordan but uh, it's it's what we're talking about here how there there is no blueprint if if anybody gets hired as as a, a gm or player personnel uh, person in in the nfl and thinks oh well i'm just going to go do what the rams did no it's it's not going to work there's there's no way it's 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 impossible to to follow uh, to follow in their footsteps because their footsteps have gone all over the place like <laughs> they're like a, a a beach that has a you know a million footprints on it like good luck good luck trying to track uh, yeah, everything then, that was going and on then there and then Sean McVay points to a single set of footprints on the beach and he says <laughs> do you know what that set represents it was then that i carried you <laughs> Or no, no. Reggie Scott points to a single yeah, set of footprints. Yeah. Reggie Scott points to a single set of footprints on the beach and looks around at the organization and says, "Do you know what that yeah. single set of footprints is?" And Les and Sean sort of nod, and he and Reggie says, "It was then that I carried you." <laughs> <laughs> Put it on a print. Put it yes. on a print and hang it in Midwestern bathrooms all over the United yes. States. Yeah. <laughs> With a nice new Rams logo. In With the a nice corner. new Rams yes. logo in the corner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a scene that was. That that should be in the Rams movie when uh, when when they that can be like the opening scene of of the of the movie and then you flash back to footprints to on a beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you God. flash back to to where it all started. Uh, <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, you know, it's super fascinating stuff, uh, Jordan. And and that's why people, you know, people joke about the Rams. And I mean, I, we joke about it, too. So I'm not uh, excluding us. But, uh, oh, the Rams, like the, the draft isn't important for the, you know, oh, who cares? They don't have any first round picks. No, it's it's arguably even more fascinating uh, than uh, for, for a lot of teams. Yeah, you don't. it's it's harder to do your your mock drafts and things like that. But it, if you're really into kind of the details of this and and, you know, what they try to accomplish uh, the draft it's it's super fascinating um and and jordan we're going to get into it more uh, of course next week i know we're, we're thinking of having a special guest too uh who's going to uh, be able to share a, a lot with us but um we, we did have a, a you know it, talk about pieces that are almost made for the rams um and uh our colleague uh, nick Baumgartner just uh, about 10 days ago or so or actually about a week ago um did a whole story about uh, mid-round names to to watch from from specifically from all of the the bigger schools the the power five conferences so uh, that's one to check out there jordan right because uh when you talk about the rams having uh picks in the third and fourth round and then being heavy in the in the sixth and things like that um these are some of the names that that you might see uh come up uh, when, when the rams pick yeah it's interesting you know nick nick did a great job with this and it's very content relevant uh to I think what the Rams are going to do and especially like I think I think you get a little less maybe position specific when you do get to those rounds and you right. look more at traits obviously and then Les Snead told me at owners meeting at league meetings that they also look so much more at intangibles and they have all of these they have three different tests of a total of seven evaluation tools um to measure you know football IQ and emotional maturity and, and emotional IQ um and social IQ and all kinds of things that they that they uh use to measure these prospects uh, of seven different tools with their background checks and and um you know they have an in-house sports psychologist Carrie Hastings and um she does a great yeah. job and and so it's a lot of different things that go into it but at the same time um you know, so you could look at this Nick Baumgartner piece and there are he he goes from power five. And, and if we know the Rams, there's not going to be all power five guys in their picks. But right. um, this is a really good start for people, I think, in order to look. And I, and I think, um, you know, when I'm sort of looking and evaluating what I believe, if I look at how they churn through some of their depth and I look at how they um, they sort of cycle through for the future and then also some of the special teams help that I believe they'll need minus Troy reader. And then also with Bobby Wagner, he's, he's not going to play on special teams, obviously like that would right. be just like a form. You know, I don't know what <laughs> you would have to be insane, honestly, to subject him to, to that kind of, um, yeah. uh, of, uh, of strain. Um, but then also like, I don't think Ernest Jones will play a lot of special teams. So now you need to find depth linebackers because Traven Howard will sp- play special teams, but you, you need like maybe now a plus two there instead of, having Troy Reader also play defense and special teams. Nick Scott moving more into a featured role at safety, perhaps. You now need um, a, another depth safety. You know, Juju Hughes and J.R. Reed 
we've got signed to other teams. So you need more, you need more safeties who can specifically also contribute to your special teams numbers, because that's actually, when you look at the bottom of the roster, that's where the Rams really struggled last year at the beginning of the year, especially was filling out those gaps and filling out those holes, especially because their rookie class got hurt. Most of their rookie class was injured, especially the special teamers. And so I think that's where you now have to start to look, um, and you're looking at some of those uh, intangible tests as measures of whether this player can can really develop into somebody that you need him to on an, on an early contract, which is, again, something that sustains their ecosystem. So definitely recommend that piece. It's over on theathletic.com. Um, I'll share it out under the podcast when we when we put it out there. But because I definitely think that it's um, it's going to be an important one. For, for people to go look at. He, Nick Baumgartner, um, he runs through the Power Five co- conferences and he takes a look at some of the guys that really stuck out to him. He's got um, some tape that's included and some breakdowns. Um, Dane Brugler's The Beast is out as well. Definitely recommend everybody going to find that. And as Rich and I kind of get closer in um, breaking down the draft and maybe having a couple guests on and doing some live rooms here through the next couple of weeks as we lead up to the draft, um, those resources are going to be so important for us to be using um, as well as um, for the rest of you. And it's just uh, it's it's an exciting time of year, maybe less so necessarily for teams that don't have these first round picks. But at the same time, what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast is Rams fans are so smart with knowing how these pieces all fit together and how these players all work together that I think there is some excitement from Rams fans specifically about the players that they bring in because they know what's possible for them and they're excited to see that development. So I think that's a fun time. Right. And they know how important they are. I mean, they've they've seen a Super Bowl run here where so many of those guys, uh, Cooper Cup being at the top of the list, is, is a guy who uh, didn't generate a lot of excitement when he got drafted, but turned into obviously um, a critical piece of a Super Bowl team. So maybe the next one will be out there. Maybe we just don't know his name yet. And uh, he will be joining the Rams in a couple of weeks. But oh, so yeah. much and, great and coverage. I'm, yeah. And I'm sorry, Rich, to yeah. interrupt mm-hmm. you. I, I forgot to mention this. I have the tab pulled up. So I'm just going to try to yeah. get, get to this tab. Okay. So I did want to say I was going through first uh, some of our draft capsules that we have out. I was going through previous draft classes. And I think there's obviously a study to be done at some point this offseason about, um, you know, players who have contributed and and whatnot. But really, it kind of puts it out there. Um, these past draft classes, I- I'm looking at the players who contributed early and I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of a lot yeah. of mid and late round picks, which we knew. I mean, it's quantified in, in many in many of the pieces we've talked about. Right. But I was looking at like um, so I'm looking at like the 2017 class. Right. And that's the same class. You have Gerald Everett, who you know, obviously didn't stick to a second contract, but still had flashes of potential and contributions. And then Cooper Cup's in that class and John Johnson's in that class. And then I'm looking at the 2018 class. The 2018 class, Joan Oatboom was their first pick. Now it was going to be their Rams left tackle. Brian Allen was the second, their second pick. Uh, now they're their long-term starting center. That class also had guys like, um, you know, Obo Okoronkwo and Sebastian Joseph Day, um, guys who either are getting paid extended by the Rams or are getting paid elsewhere and then will directly relate to the four comp picks that the Rams will now receive. Right. Um, and then I'm looking at 20, I think 2019 was actually kind of an underrated class too. Um, because you had Taylor Rapp who, yeah, he's been up and down in terms of production, but he started 32 of 41 games in three seasons. Right. And then you also have Daryl Henderson, 
David Long, who needs to to hit a learning curve this year. And then this is the the Greg Gaines, David Edwards, and Nick Scott class. Like these yeah. are all yeah. fourth through seventh round picks. Greg Gaines has emerged as one of the premier nose tackles in the NFL, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. David Edwards is starting for them at, at, at right guard and right. will continue to do so. And Nick Scott may very well move into a starting safety position alongside Jordan Fuller this year right. um, as a former seventh rounder. And and it's just that's so fascinating to me. And you have 2020, you've got Jordan Fuller and Van Jefferson, Cam Akers, obviously. Um, 2021, I think, is kind of their like scratch class almost because most of them were hurt the entire season. Like Ernest Jones really was the the only guy yeah. <laughs> who's yeah. playing substantial minutes. Um, and, and you know, the we'll probably uh Relitigate the tutu out will pick until all of us are oh, well boy. are well into our our late age and our old age uh, as a, a little bit of a, a head scratcher there, but um, definitely a pivotal year for him. But other than tutu out, well, it's kind of like you know you you still don't know what you have in a lot of these guys because they were hurt and tutu was hurt as well. But you kind of you saw that there was a, quite a learning curve to go for him, I think. Um, but other you know other than Ernest Jones, these guys were were mostly hurt. Um, so that's, that's also interesting too. And then how do you slot around that? And how do you fit around that when you know that you basically had a red shirt year for a lot of these guys? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still, you know, an opportunity, like you said, we're not going to, we're not going to write off that group just yet, um, because there's, there's still an opportunity and some guys just develop uh, at different rates too. I mean, we weren't talking about Greg Gaines very much a year ago. Um, but you know, he hit that, that curve or whatever it may be and, and really, developed and, and blossomed so uh, you don't know and it's amazing it's amazing to go through that list Jordan and I, I guess that's one thing you can say if you're another team like oh, what do you do well yeah you, you hit on a lot of fourth and fifth round picks yeah well good luck with that yeah it's not, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing in the world to do is uh, to have guys like that come in and um, you know a lot of it is development too and, and making sure guys are put in the right spots at the right time so um, even it's not even a science uh, to, to that extent but uh, certainly a huge part of uh, what the Rams have been able to achieve over the last uh, you know five years or so here so again we'll see that's what makes these drafts very interesting you don't know you don't know who's going to be the next one a uh, name you probably haven't heard of yet uh, is going to come in and, and potentially make a big impact uh, for for the Rams so of course Jordan uh, you will be all over it uh, your great coverage specific to the Rams as, as you said so much stuff that's out there I mean we don't need to make this a commercial but but I mean it I'm, I mean it the, the the depth of of coverage that we can have out there not only from our NFL analysts but but uh, from our college writers who who cover uh, so many of these players so uh, uh, deeply, uh, it's just it's tremendous. Uh, you, you literally can't read all of the stuff that's out there. I mean, there's there's so much that you cannot uh, consume all of it, and uh, that's awesome to see. And Jordan, uh, as always, you're all over it, as you said. When possible, you take some breaks from Twitter. Uh, but uh, Jordan at Jordan Rodriguez has you covered on everything that you need heading into the draft. We will be back with you next week uh, to talk more about the draft. Maybe dig into a little bit more. Maybe have a guest even who can speak to some of these things that, that we're talking about. So uh, until then, make sure you're on board with us. If you're not already, thank you to all of our subscribers who are on board. If you want to join us, you absolutely should and the way that do that is to go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel get all of our great coverage and get jordan's favorite thing in the entire world which is what 
a great discount. You guys, <laughs> we still have it going. It's on. still I, there. I, it's still there, man. I don't know. It's it's like uh, every week. Every week I check, and I'm like, yep, that thing's still there. It's my favorite thing in the world. It is a great discount when you subscribe to the Athletic through the Eleven Personnel Podcast. You get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount every single time. Uh, spent a lot of time praising Rams fans, subscribers, and listeners here uh, throughout this podcast, and I mean every word. You guys have been fantastic. Um, really, really enjoy the continued dialogue that we've had over these last couple of years. Going to be a lot to come. This is going to be a pivotal year, I think, for the Rams as they try to repeat, as they certainly remain in contention. And there's going to be a lot of great coverage coming your way, both here and at theathletic.com. So we will catch you next week. And in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We appreciate you listening. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.